Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. All right, mic check, mic check. We're going no music on the intro. We don't got time to edit. It is peak of deer season-esque. We are about to enter my favorite 20 days of the calendar year, October 20th through November 10th. As a bow hunter, I love that like anticipation going into their final October. I love the the temperatures. I love the color in the woods. And I I'm I always tell people like that 20 day period is is super important and can also set you up. Make or break your season. I mean, it is important. And it's crazy. I've been texting Jake Ho for a little bit on October 15th. I'm like, dude, October's half over. It is such a small window of all its glory, if you will. I the longer I do this, the more I just love all aspects of hunting and deer hunting. And maybe it's because I'm getting away from the day-to-day life, if you will. But on this particular podcast, I am back from the XOP Public Land Deer Camp. Uh, we killed some deer. We had plenty of debacles and had a great time. And I've got a freezer with a nice dough in it. So, and on limited hunting time, was able to do that. So, a lot of things to unpack here. Some thoughts uh, just some overall stories, but yeah, so I make the drive, I don't even know what day that was, Wednesday, get up there at like six-ish, it is, I don't know, I got 30 minutes illegal, and I'm driving these roads, kind of looking for tracks, and I'm on the phone with, uh, Tom, who's been up there for a few days now, and he's kind of like, ah, I don't know about that area you're in, I look to the left, there's a doe standing in a dicky mo spot, you know, where like, it kind of opens up S ish and you can see it from the road and i'm like well shit this will play jump out the truck try to string up the stick bow real quick and uh it had i don't know the string was like slightly twisted so it it did take me a smidgen ran in the woods with it kind of just still hunting my way towards where i seen that doe nothing to uh really play out there but right like gotta gotta at least try and then we all meet at the boat ramp because somebody shot a buck. We don't have details. We don't really know. Just uh, there's a massive group text of, of dudes and uh, Tyler Bentley and Dan. Dan's got a Nomadic Outdoorsman podcast. Um, they were up there and he had shot a buck. And Nick, uh, my buddy Nick from oh that does some of the XOP editing as well. Uh, he had filmed it and we're like dude like I mean that's that's what we came here to do right folks so we meet at the boat ramp and like morale going to the boat ramp because I jump in the truck with Tom and Brock from XOP dude we're firing on all cylinders hype mode to the max David Gia Rizzo from Tag and Brag jumps in like we you know we got an army coming we're ready to like celebrate and drink beers and not hunt the next day kind of thing we pull up to the boat ramp and uh like it's a good one it's a good one he stuck him at 40 and uh my ears kind of perk up whenever i hear uh the distance if you will and that is because in my group of circle of friends we have such a better recovery rate inside of 25 yards i mean there it's night and day difference like if we shoot 10 deer past 25 yards we 
Like the recovery rate of myself and my friends is not great. It might be 30%. You know, it, it, it's definitely not. Uh, me personally, I'm, I think I've only sent some follow-up shots beyond uh, 30 yards. I think I might have shot at, initial shot, one deer at 30. Um, but we hunt a lot of timber. So we are at the boat ramp. Morale is super high in the truck, and then we start passing around the footage. And knowing the distance, seeing a suspect-type hit in the frontal area of this buck, I don't know if it was in the leg or the, the low scapula, maybe in front of the scapula, brisket, because there is some, like, trees in the way. So, yeah, I was like, 10% is kind of my thought at this point. Um, so we make the decision to back out uh, or, or, like, Everybody was there, and we kind of decided, let's let's go back to the cabin and, and reconvene. While at the cabin, I, we did come up with a pretty solid plan. Uh, when they go into a blood trail, this thing, why don't we put a couple guys with bows, like, uh, on the backside, if you will? Like, where deer may end up uh, as these guys go in. And so, yeah, three of us posted up, let's just call it away from shot site, three hundred four you know three four hundred yards maybe the closest guy might have been like 160 but it was just like kind of stacking the odds two things one i didn't think the deer was dead and this might help get a second arrow in it um you know so these guys might be in play for also a nice buck but just they had been seeing some other deer in the area as well so we just thought high higher chance to maybe succeed if you will uh, I worked on some media right at, at, at daylight for like, let's just call it the first hour and a half, two hours of, of daylight. So now the sun is up full go. We're, we're on this mission. Um, long story short, after some trailing and tracking, kicking them up, no standard saw any deer, even though buck sign looked pretty good. No, uh, it kicked him up once, I think. Ended up later in the day calling in a dog. I do have a funny note here. So, uh, amongst this recovery and looking for this buck, uh, I took my judo point with my stick bow and was shooting it, and I handed it to Tom. I said, hey, shoot this. Just, you know, it's kind of fun. We're taking a break here, and you, know, you can just pick a leaf over there and try and shoot something at like seven yards. And uh, he goes to do it, and so now he's standing three to four yards away from me and, and also facing the opposite direction, shoots the bow, and I was like, oh my God, that's quiet. I had never like stood next to somebody shooting the stick. Even in the summer when we're shooting it, we're kind of talking, playing music. I guess I really, in woods, never heard somebody um, fire the stick in a slightly opposite direction. I was like, whoa. Like I knew it was quiet, right? And I knew from shooting it. But I think all that noise is right in your face when the bow does go off and you are the actual archer. Um, but that definitely, definitely shocked me. Uh, after that wrap-up of... Um, buck searching and back at camp let's see here Tom had speed scouted the edge of a, a piece and said I, there's deer in there pulled a trail cam plenty of deer why don't you go in a different direction just based on wind and kind of just scout hunt do whatever you want to do he goes I just said look man I've been I've been in here mainly working not really scouting I just need to know there's deer on a certain piece um, here in Ohio you can I don't know if you guys were coming hunting with me. I'd be like, ah, I wouldn't hunt this hillside, but I would definitely go look around over there. Just I've seen deer, I've scouted there. It looks good, and that's kind of what he did for me. He's like, hey, I think uh, you start your search here, you'll be all right. So I went in there, and it is raining. It is nasty. Um, doesn't look like it's going to let up now for about two and a half days. 
and I scout my way in moving real slow and I did take the compound and I ended up taking the compound because one my stick bow got absolutely drenched in a canoe debacle earlier in the day so like those feathers and I didn't know this and I definitely think it's a weak point of the stick bow life is when those feathers get wet they almost lay down like a oh like a person's hair if you've ever woke up with bedhead and and it's sticking up that's what feathers are doing right they're sticking up and then you get them wet and they just lay down and i i think they're fine for like a sprinkle and like you could probably put some like sandwich baggies around you know for for not hard rain but one i had to beat brush to get into this place and it was it was some some hammering rain so i scat around a little bit start finding some better buck sign um set on the ground for about 20 minutes in one location and then, then I didn't like what the wind was doing so I kind of shifted over a good bit and that's when I found some oaks um with some couple rubs and a scrape right there and I was like well this is looking pretty promising they, the leaves were kind of like you could tell stuff was foraging in there and decided this this will play out the final 45 minutes so I sit by this down log um this blowdown don't see anything go to leave grab my backpack and over my shoulder seven yards is here's like a 60 to 80 inch buck like seven yards on the ground and in my left let's see here my bow's in my left hand my right hand has my quiver because i'm like packing up i just slung my backpack over my shoulder so i can't activate my release and i don't know if i'm gonna shoot this deer but i said let's get the full draw and then figure that out and so I ended up dropping the quiver, and he caught that movement, and, and then he started looking for what, what made that movement, and the game was up. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, that's just some interesting uh, notes there. The next morning, definitely slept in, but, you know, I got to kick it with some guys in camp. I got to hang out with uh, David uh, from Tag and Brag, Tyler Bentley, Nick, um, just a solid, uh, less serious hunt. And I think it works good. I, I saw Kevin Vestison do this, I think, two years ago. Paul's first Wiggins of Coffee. And when you have a deer camp in the earlier half of October, you're far more likely to get people, one, to stay and come initially to camp. But two, they're not rushing to the woods because it's just not a high percent buck kill time frame unless you're right in the wheelhouse. Obviously, some cold fronts help. Obviously, if hunting really close to buck bedding always helps. But in general, the general population of hunters is not slaying bucks the first two weeks of October at a high rate, comparatively to the rest of the year. And that was kind of nice. You know, we kicked it. We had some some beers and, and fire pit and um, good food. And you know, when you talk about the rest of the year, you're on you're on a solo mission. You're trying to get it done. If you you know try and hunt bucks at an elevated level and even here in the home state like i don't really hunt with my friends even though we text and call every morning going hunting and stuff like that but like both of us meeting at a parking lot doesn't happen near as much we're not even necessarily hunting the same pieces as much as we used to five seven years ago in a given weekend and just due to our state of life and uh, kids and family it's like oh i can hunt saturday evening oh i can't hunt saturday evening because i got x y and z with my kid or but i'm gonna get out saturday morning so it's just like our, our times to link up just aren't as popular anymore uh, all right so that uh, the day goes by um and this is friday at this point and i'm gonna go right back into that same spot because the rain that is heavy 
looks to be letting up at oh three ish and i'm like well i'm definitely making the drive at, at two ish that was the other thing the day before i went and drove to this piece and it started letting up at three o'clock and i think all the deer moved and then the rain picked back up at like four or five um just before sundown or, or whatever and i think that window to hunt actually was probably better earlier in the afternoon oh i will say this i saw some killer new stuff from xop and actually we shot some uh, material that should go out very soon that is like hey these are just prototypes at this point but here's some new products that you can probably look forward to releasing maybe ata ish or um 2024 in general but i think uh, a few of them are, are going to be home runs one of them for sure one of them is a uh, nice add to mobile hunting type equipment and it's not a huge item but it is an item i think a lot of guys are going to be like oh I want to do that. I want to incorporate that piece of gear into my system. So that's what I'm going to leave you with, if you will. So I go in, same uh, ambush point, you know, those oaks with the scrapes and the rubs. But uh, I bump over about three yards, and I was having trouble picking a tree. Because I didn't I didn't want to be too close to the trail, because now I've got the compound again for the rain factor. But I still wanted to be able to shoot a certain uh, aspect. And I truly believe the deer were going to move uh, from my, was it be my north? My southish. Like, I just felt the way they were going to come down. And I picked this spot, too, not only based on that sign, but there was a couple blowdowns that I feel like were helping pinch deer through this area. And I was a touch lower on the hill because it was very windy uh, as far as elevation was concerned. I thought, man, I bet up there on the top it's, it's a little louder. Uh, and I... Maybe they would bed there just if there's still a visual advantage in a shitstorm of a weather front. But I thought if I was going to go eat and my head was going to be low, I might not want a massive amount of noise, if you will. And so set up there, ended up picking a, a, a an oak tree, but it was based on like the surrounding brush. There was like some honeysuckle or autumn olive type brush around me and then a beech tree behind me and it wasn't necessarily I had a ton of cover in the tree but like right to the next next to me right to the uh, three to five yards away I had a lot of brushy type windows now I did self bend and break stuff for shooting lanes and, and I wanted to note here some other things I did before climbing into my three foot tree stand was uh, add some color cover to the bush next to me just to give me a, another couple branches with actual leaves on them um, trying to break up the silhouette um an hour goes by and I realize in my shooting lane creation process, um, one of the twigs I snapped is pretty prevalent, right? Like those things glow when you expose the inside of the, the, the branches. And so I've heard so many hunters talk about if you cut shooting lanes, you, you kind of want to uh, cover those up with either mud or whatever. So I get down because I'm only three feet up, walk over three to, three to five yards away at this point, And I throw some dirt on it and I cover it with a, a, a big, I think, maple leaf. And so I got back in my stand. I'm like, okay, good. And I'm hunting with the quiver off. And this will come into play in this debacle that, that comes up. Oh, I did have a debacle the day before. I'm tromping out the woods and somehow knock my headlamp off. And I do it in a way that like kicks a single battery out. So I'm pulling out my phone to try and find a battery at the base of this like CRP brush stuff. It was not good. I did cross a creek a couple times on this trip with my Crocs, and I'm going to score that like a 5 or 6 out of 10. I think the contractor bags are still the better route, and I had some of those in my camping tote, but I was so disorganized hunting in this stupid mom mobile I'm driving around this year 
that uh, I did not have those in my hunting bag. Or and, I, and then when I got to the piece, I forgot that I had taken my camping totes out of my, my truck. But the, the Crocs, like, okay, at base of Creek, you got to get to your Crocs and then cross it. And then when you put your boots back on the other side, your, your feet are still, like, wet from the crossing. So you almost either need two pair of socks or, like, a towel. And I'm just like, why? Well, I think it's better to just carry a contractor bag or two in your, your pack if you're going for a hunt that you think you're going to cross something. The, and, and the contractor bags are great for like little creek crossings, like anything more than like walking across seven, eight, ten steps, like you risk tearing them at a much higher rate, I feel, especially if you, you hunt stuff with rocky bottoms versus sandy bottoms. But um, the contractor bags, you can just literally put them over your pants and your boots and cross the creek and then put them back in your bag and keep going versus the Crocs. You got a Mickey Mouse around and your your bare foot gets wet. So take that for what it's worth. Three feet up, back on my hunt. I fixed my shooting lane problem. And six o'clock rolls around, I think, maybe 545. And I see a group of three deer coming my way. And I'm like, this is this is working out how I planned. Uh, they work into under 25 yards, kind of right around 2022. I draw the bow once. And they're all behind some shit. I'm like, all right, well, you're in the game. Like, you know they're going to end up be bopping coming through and their heads are starting to go down and feed so they're gonna be here a minute so i let down and you know that is kind of terrifying right because it's not just one set of eyes over there it's three and then here comes in the uh well same same group i think it's gonna pop out on the other side of this bigger tree and present me a nice 20 18 yard shot they stand behind there for way too long i end up having to let it let down again so i've done two draws and two letdowns um my adrenaline's going at this point, which is fine. Um, and then I'm sitting there kind of waiting for my shot, and I hear a pop. And I'm like, I think there's another deer in here on Oaks over to my right at this point. I'm looking uh, slightly left, and um, I believe there's another deer in here to the right. I just can't see it because just you you know when you hear that pop of an oak in a deer's mouth, it's, 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 it's a different cadence, and it's kind of muffled because it's inside their mouth. And I'm sitting there, and sure enough, here comes a nanny taking the main trail, the seven-yard through the, like, the main trail I was going to shoot that's got the scrape on it and the two rubs. And she's coming by at seven yards and goes to ten. I draw, and I'm, and I honestly just rusted. And I hit her back. She runs 15 yards behind some blowdowns. The three of uh, that group of three that I was originally targeting starts actually coming towards me because they 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 don't know what's going on but they don't like something in the area, and my quiver is in a hook right on this small tree on the left side. So I'm trying to wiggle out another arrow at this point because that's what you should do. And the only reason I take my quiver off for a lot of these low hunts is like you're jamming your bow in like many shooting lanes. So you, you want that smallest profile as possible, and my quiver is tight to the bow, like it does not stick off much at all but again you just i don't i feel like the plus minus there i want the ability not to like bump it on on first i do like having my quiver on my bow uh, most of the time but you know for low tight quarter ambushes i think the plus minus game take it off so i finally get that arrow out and it was a bitch to get out i'm just trying not to make a bunch of noise but yeah i need that freaking arrow I look down, it's the field point arrow. And so I had this quick debate in my head that, 
well, you're probably not going to be able to get out a third arrow at this point on this deer. Do you take the field point and put it in the goods? I knew I hit that deer initially. Just I heard the arrow. I saw her kick a little bit. So I thought ethically you've you've wounded or or maybe you have put a good shot on this deer you don't know anything at this point but you're pretty sure you hit her you should probably continue to harm or, or dispatch animal in fastest means possible I, I did i rolled the dice i dropped the field point arrow like off the back side of the stand i again i'm three feet up and it's raining so there's not going to be any noise when that thing hits the ground well I, I at this point the group of three bebops away and I do get to load an arrow with a field or with a true broadhead, a Montec on it. And the initial doe I shot was not wanting to run away. And she's still there behind blowdowns. And uh, my line of sight, she's 15-ish yards, maybe 18. Like, she's not very far. But I've got a couple of branches in my way, at least at my elevation. Once I loaded the arrow, I actually leaned over and I was like, man, I think I, I got something about like a, oh kid-sized basketball you know one of those ones you can palm pretty easily I was like I got a decent window into the front half um, of her vitals I, I I'm gonna try and send it I think I should try and do this and get an arrow in there and I draw and this time I'm a little bit more focused and composed and I, I didn't rush this one it, it smacks her and she runs 15 yards and topples over um, so sweet get down out of my stand go kind of fully recover and I go to pull the arrow out and I can't um, I keep pulling and, and uh, it ends up ungluing the um, oh insert system guy and I, I pull the arrow out. There's no broadhead, but whatever. And I call Brock and obviously after the debacles of the buck that never was found and even a, a dog lady said that deer's probably alive after some chasing. But um, I call Brock and I said, you know what we got? We got a white belly down and I found her. Um and that was kind of our phrase because whitetail experience actually has a rule. And, and this is something that we brought up while um, on this hunt. Because we hunt places that are far away and after work recoveries can happen from time to time. We only come for bucks. Um, you know, if a buddy shoots one, I'm a doe, I'm probably not coming. Like, you know, it's the plus minus game of leaving a family. You, you're already hunting a decent amount that time of year. Like, dude, you, you can't be there for everything. But uh, if a guy shoots a buck, I do try and make it if you will and if i'm not hunting sometimes i hold off on drinking any beers because you never know late october if a buddy might shoot a buck um but we have a rule now after several times of driving to locations to help buddies pull out bucks and like deer still alive especially andy had one that was pretty noticeable like two three years ago like thought he smashed it and heard it crash and everything dave and i drove like two hours that night then stomped around the woods for two hours and the deer was still alive. We saw him with the headlamps and then Dave and I get home at like two, three in the morning and turn around and go to work at like five, six. Like it was not, uh, it was rough on us. So, you know, we kind of have a rule that you kind of have to find the white belly before we come drive. And so that was why I stated to Brock, like, yeah, I shot a doe and I found the white belly. Like we're good to go. Um, so we ended up pulling that thing out in the sled. Like I said, it was not the best first shot. Um, started breaking her down a little bit that night it was it was great i will say this i got a note here hunting in the rain camping in the rain and hunting like dude it sucks because you get them clothes and gear wet um your mobile system gets wet and so then hanging it you're getting wet you got to have like multiple layers uh to to reach into and go to multiple base layers like 
even just going in and out the truck to like pack for a hunt, you're getting an external jacket wet. And like, you don't want to sabotage your hunt by like already going in with a wet jacket. So it just makes for everything a lot more pain in the ass. You can't see at night. You don't want to be out there messing with your gear and your vehicle because it's raining. Like your boots end up soaking out. Um, if you don't have rubber boots, like it just, it sucks. And rubber boots suck. I'll say that. I hate rubber boots. Uh, I brought them and never wore them the whole trip until I wore them today when I was kind of breaking down the deer with Dave. But I have a final note here as far as uh, the Montec. So I ended up um, finding it lodged in the quarter, um, quarter, in the sh- opposite side shoulder. I have a video on my phone. I can't obviously post it because it is gruesome as all get out. But things fully intact as far as like no bend of the tip. And I did text Kevin Vistason and Greg Tubbs, a couple guys like the video, like, hey, check this out. And Kevin and I were talking how, like, when they redesigned that Montec, the M3, the solid one, there's, like, some benefits there as far as how quiet it is. But, like, the vented um, fixed blades do tend to fly and be a little bit more forgiving as far as, like, if you got a little hand torque or maybe your shot's not as good. They don't magnify airs, right? Like, good way to describe it. Um but I can't complain to how the good shot performed on on this doe. I haven't shot a Montec in a few years. I think I shot him way back in the day. But um, seeing that was was strongly encouraging. Encouraging, you know, went through the scapula, all the goods, and just lodged in that opposite side shoulder. I didn't see her run all that great when when um, in the stand. But like I said, she ran like 15 yards. I, I'm pretty sure she had no front wheels, if you will. Um, so that, that always makes for a nice short tracking recovery type job. As for upcoming, I think I'm going to get my brother-in-law out this week one time and then it's into that very focus period. I, I really need to scout uh, a little bit more, a lot more. I don't have the best plays yet for, for late October. I'm going to bounce over a ridge. I think I need to pull a few cams and verify if somebody's back. A few guys are back. Last year I had a few bucks that just all of a sudden turned up like October 10th ish and sometimes they would stay for the rut, like they were huntable for the rut. So I need to verify a few of those because I did have a you know a couple trail camps fail. My home farm needs to see if anybody has moved in there from some surrounding pressure, and uh, we'll pick it back up, guys. I appreciate you, Patreon members. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I filled you in a little bit on some extra plans. Uh, maybe I'll do another editing breakdown video for the Patreon guys this week on an edit I did recently. All right, guys, Team Harder and Bucks, we're out. Good luck in the woods.